Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick, Cody, and Justin. Uh, coming at you with our full Week 15 preview here today, recording just after the Thursday night game between the Niners and the Seahawks ended. Guys, how are we feeling about our playoff matchups heading into the day? Uh, we actually got kind of an interesting slate this week because it's a little broken up, a lot of games on Saturday and Sunday, but... How are we feeling last uh, last check before we head into the playoff matchups for Week 15? Well, Justin, I think uh, we are in a good spot in our co-managed dynasty team. Uh, Tyler Lockett put up right about his projection today, and uh, the guy we played against played Travis Homer. So got a little bit lucky there, but uh, looking good, looking at about like a 65% win rate, I think, somewhere like that. So hopefully uh, we get a couple more players to go our way and we can we can advance there and then my work league I neither surprisingly neither the guy or the guy I play or myself had anyone playing tonight so uh nothing too much changed there I'm still favored by about half a point Nick how would I know Kenneth Walker didn't have that you know amazing performance you were looking for but he didn't bust you how are your matchups looking we're doing okay. Uh, I had uh, a lot of duds on the other side. I didn't play any Kittle tonight. Didn't play any Purdy in the two QB league I have. Didn't play. Um, I guess CMC wasn't really the only two. CMC. I had I had CMC in a league, so uh, we did all right. Like you said, Kenneth Walker definitely did not have the day I hoped, but I think without getting a touchdown, that was probably about as good as I could have hoped for him, uh, especially because he just didn't get the carry volume I was expecting. He looked fine uh, from my eye. We'll get to that uh, when we get to our Thursday night football breakdown, but let's go ahead and jump into the injury segment here. It, again, is a long one at this time it's of the year. It usually, usually, has, uh, usually has a lot of content because you've got you know guys coming back from injuries. You've, guys got, you know, you've got the guys that are currently injured. People are beat up. Long season is taking its toll on these players for sure. So let's run through these real quick. Lamar Jackson, no surprise here. He was ruled out. Uh, I would expect him to be, you know, very questionable for even next week. So I think week 17 is probably where you're shooting for Lamar. Rondale Moore, uh, he actually got put on IR with that groin injury. No sense uh, in the Cardinals bringing him back late in the year here. Uh, in a year, obviously, that is just completely dead now without Kyler Murray at 4-9. and nine. So he will miss the rest of the year. You can drop him in non-keeper or dynasty formats. Damian Pierce, he's doubtful. We talked about this. He's definitely going to miss this week, maybe two. Uh, I could say he might come back for that week 17 matchup, but we'll have to hear more about that. Deontay Johnson, he missed Thursday practice with a hip injury. I didn't. I haven't really seen a ton about this one. Hopefully you don't have to rely on him, but that's not a great sign for his prospects. Marquise Brown. He missed Thursday's practice with an illness. Uh, a lot of times this is nothing, but sometimes you know it can linger. So, again, just keep an eye on it. David Montgomery, same thing. He also missed Thursday's practice with an illness. He picked up whatever Justin Fields had, but hopefully he gets back on the field as quickly as Justin did because uh, he came back out today and was a full uh, participant of practice, that being Justin Fields. So uh, he's good to go for this weekend, but David Montgomery missed practice on Thursday with that illness. Jacoby Myers. He was downgraded to a DNP on Thursday. I would assume he's not going to play this weekend. He's had some lingering symptoms from the concussion he suffered a couple weeks ago. Pat Fryermuth, he has missed Wednesday and Thursday with that foot injury. Starting to get a little concerned there. I have a share of Pat Fryermuth in a league. Luckily, it was a league I went up against Brandon Ayuk and uh, Robbie Gold tonight, so I have a little bit of a cushion, but I might have to find a replacement for Pratt Fryermuth. Didn't really expect that one. He played at least last week, but it seems like this foot issue is uh, legitimately bothering him. 
Jeff Wilson, surprisingly limited on pra at practice on Thursday. Really thought he was going to miss this week, but uh, looks like he's pretty much a toss-up. I'd call him 50-50 at this point, but I think really he matters more for Raheem Mostert managers than Jeff Wilson managers. I would uh, not want to start either one of those guys if he plays. Ramondre Stevenson, he missed Thursday's practice. I would say he's looking like he's going to miss at least this week. Uh, didn't seem like a major ankle sprain, so I'd, I'd expect him to miss this one and then be fine. His teammate Damian Harris, he was limited at Thursday's practice. He's actually a legitimate, uh, legitimately interesting pickup here. I think if he's on your waiver wire and you need running back help for this week specifically, I'd go scoop him up because it's kind of a you know running back carousel in New England right now, but if it ends up that Damian Harris is healthy. I think he would be the guy if there's no Stevenson. So he could be a good play against the Raiders. Brian Robinson limited at Thursday's practice as well as his teammate Antonio Gibson. Again, I think they're both going to play, but they, you know, these these injuries are lingering and that's through a bye. So you don't really like to see that. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, they were both limited on Thursday. Again, surprisingly, I kind of thought both these guys would miss this week, especially Boyd, but both of them have a chance. Uh, again, Make other plans, but they uh, just keep keep an eye on them. They actually might end up playing this Sunday, surprisingly. Aaron Jones, he was limited, uh, limited with an ankle injury, also following a bye. That one, uh, a little surprising. Hadn't heard a ton about that, but hopefully he's okay. Uh, again, you just don't love to see him with a, with a full week of time to heal up, still limited at practice. Dallas Goddard, he has moved to expected to play this Sunday. He's still on IR. Don't be scared off. Uh, a lot of times teams just do that to, you know, control another roster spot until the last possible second. Seems like that's what the Eagles are doing here. I would expect him to play this Sunday unless he has a setback in practice tomorrow. Uh, so just keep an eye on him. Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, both on track to play this Sunday for the Raiders against the Patriots. Waller, I think, is in the starting, you know, somewhat starting tier because tight end is so bad. Run for I'd be avoiding, but if you want to throw him on your bench, see what happens, go ahead. Amari Cooper, he will play this Saturday. I know we mentioned on the last pod that uh, he was kind of up in the air, but looks like he is going to give it a go, as they said uh, in the, the press conference after practice. So I think he's still a little bit banged up, but he will at least play. And if he's on your team, you probably have to throw him in there. And then Tyler Lockett from tonight, he broke his finger. Uh, he will miss some time. Pete Carroll said after the game he might have a chance to return in two weeks, but uh, that's not promising. He's usually very, uh, you know, very positive when it comes to injury outlook. So I'd expect him to be definitely out next week, possibly the week after too. So bummer for Tyler Lockett managers, as Cody mentioned off the top. Yeah, absolutely. Luckily, though, he did have a, uh, like I said, a solid performance tonight at least. So. Um, hopefully he at least helps you get to that next round of your fantasy playoffs, but doesn't look like he will uh, be a part of that championship starting roster come uh, week 17. So sad to see that, but um, I mean, still, like you said, P. Carroll, very positive guy. So we'll, we'll just have to keep an eye on it. Maybe he can get back, but mm -hmm. even if he yeah. does make it back, it's still just a little bit risky because uh, you need your fingers to catch a football. So, <laughs> if, it, yeah. if it hurts a little bit, I imagine those those fastballs that come in at you aren't going to be the easiest to catch. So yeah, um, super super disappointing too. They play the Chiefs next week. He really he might have won some people or put some people into some fantasy championships because that uh, that just profiles as a game he could have done very well in against a weak defense that you'd imagine they'd have to throw the ball quite a bit on. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Uh, I just want to go ahead and throw out, uh, obviously, if you are listening, if you are not already subscribed on whatever podcast platform, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow the Facebook, follow the Twitter. We are, like I said, like I've been saying, getting a lot more active on Twitter, posting some fancy content just about every single day. 
um, whether that's just retweeting or quote tweeting some, you know, just throwing some opinions out there. Um, just keep an eye out for that. But uh, do we want to get in a little bit more to Thursday night football? I know we've kind of touched about it a little bit while talking about matchups. We can just, uh, you know, hit the big points. CMC had a great day. Kittle had a great day. Finally had that boom George Kittle game against, you know, one of the, the worst defenses in the league against tight end in Seattle. So that was nice to see. I don't know if you want to give some general thoughts on the game. Um, uh, as far as, you know, like the way the game was played, I was just a little disappointed in the Seahawks offense, obviously. Uh, that line just, I thought they'd have a, you know, a chance to give Geno a little bit of time, but they really didn't. And that was kind of the difference. I wish they would have committed to Kenneth Walker a little bit more. I'm obviously biased, but I feel like he was actually running pretty well in the second half. They just really never gave him two carries in a row. Seems like they'd pick up four or five yards on a first down, uh, then try to throw it, either get sacked or, you know, have an incompletion, then you have a long third down to deal with. So didn't like the way Seattle approached it from that standpoint, but San Francisco is really, really good. I think that's my main takeaway. Yeah, that was going to be my main takeaway. I just want to go ahead and highlight week 16, Washington is going to play um, at San Francisco, and then they will play um, at Las Vegas in week 17. So obviously those two big guys for Vegas, you're probably not benching. And, I mean, really anybody from Washington, I mean, McLaurin's probably the only guy you're you're safe there. So definitely make sure you have some some backup options on those two weeks if you are – kind of setting your rosters and, and making sure that you have, you know, good matchups for your playoffs. Because this 49ers defense, I mean, I'd say Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Locker are three of, you know, top skill players. And none of them really bust – or none of them really boomed for fantasy football. None of them really busted. But, I mean, you know, it's a very scary defense to have to trust, especially come, you know, these final two weeks. So, may just want to prepare for some different options. Are you impressed with Brock Purdy thus far? I, I you know, I know the the broadcast usually kind of fluffs up these type of underdog guys, especially it's just easy to root for and uh, you know that sort of thing. But I, uh, what what I saw was somebody throwing into some really wide open windows basically every time that he had to put the ball in the air. I think I can count one, maybe two throws. I would call impressive from him all day. He had a nice one on the goal line on a third down to convert a third and seven, third and eight on a slant, but. Other than that, I mean, I, I don't know how much credit I'm giving him for anything that happened. It seemed like the broadcast was ready to anoint him as the next you know, great late-round quarterback. I, I think he's fine, but do you have a different opinion on Brock Purdy? No, I, I think we are, very, we are very similar in our opinions on Brock Purdy. Kirk Herbstreit thinks he's like the next Tom Brady, if you had to ask him, based on the way he That's, was calling yeah, that game. It, I mean, it was... It was definitely a little a little bit sick. too much love probably for Brock Purdy. The thing is, you for one, are in an offensive scheme where they already don't ask the quarterback to do a whole lot. I mean, Jimmy G, I'd say for a lot of people, is right at that average line. And he's, you know, brought them to an NFC championship, brought them or helped them, you know, to an NFC, helped them to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, and they obviously went to go get Trey Lance. So I think that this this offense is relatively easy for court. Maybe it's complex, but it's easy. They do get a lot of wide open throws, and he is hitting them. But like you said, he hasn't really done anything too impressive. I would say some of his decision making is a little bit questionable. Um, a lot of running around, you know, kind of behind the pocket. Uh, a couple of different plays, the Seahawks just weren't able to get him. So those things won't be, you know, shown on social media or anything. He is a little bit mobile, but I mean, it's just it's a little scary for me, especially you know in the playoff games. If he gets sacked one of those times, and now you're looking at a second and 
20 or a third and 20. Like, I don't like Brock Purdy in those kind of situations. But if they're able to run the ball and he can just hit those open, uh, open, you know, targets when they get him, he'll be fine. And this team's defense is good enough to keep him in games. But we'll see what happens with turnovers. He hasn't had very many yet. And we'll see what happens whenever a team can put pressure on him and actually get him to the ground. Um, I think, I think we'll have a little bit of a different opinion probably on Brock Purdy by the end of the season. And, I mean, now we have oh, seven quarters of tape on him. So from this point forward, we're just going to get more and more data that teams can use to, to stop him as well. So we always see these quarterbacks kind of have a flurry of good games before the tape's on them. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I think Purdy is really the beneficiary of some nice play calling thus far. I you know We'll see what he's made of. He really hasn't, hasn't been tested, in my opinion, quite yet, though. Let's go ahead and jump into these matchups. We're going to start with the Saturday slate. I want to want to start this by saying take your Saturday players out of the flex. Uh, you're going to want to put them in their you know respective positions, whether it's running back or wide receiver. You want to keep that flex you know availability open for you know your T Higgins of the world that get hurt you know two hours before the game starts. So in case that happens, you need some flexibility on your bench. Always make sure you play Thursday night and if there is a Saturday night game. Play those guys in their actual positions on your team so that uh, you have that flex versatility. Let's start out with the first game. That's Indianapolis at Minnesota. Minnesota only favored by four points at home against this horrible Colts team. I think that says, again, all you need to know about what the, uh, the sports betters think of Minnesota. Over-unders, 47.5. Indianapolis. Um, how much interest do we have in these options, Cody? Because uh, I just don't love trusting a Colt in my fantasy lineup in the playoffs, but the matchup could not be better uh, for the wide receivers and the quarterback. Jonathan Taylor's in there. He's a solid RB2. You know, he's not the, the league winner we thought he might be, but he's definitely in your lineup, and this matchup's not horrible. It's pretty mid-pack, but uh, the other guys, Matt Ryan, I think is an okay 2 QB league play, but I think uh, the guy I want to talk about is Michael Pittman. How much confidence do you have in him this week against this uh, Swiss cheese Viking secondary? Yeah, I, I they are definitely Swiss cheese. They are not the uh, the best defense against wide receivers. Currently, the thirty rank thirtieth ranked defense. Uh, so, if you are stuck in a situation where you have to play Michael Pittman, I, I would say that you should be okay. At you know, I would. Say somewhat of a boom bust level flex to you know wide receiver three type probably in my opinion and it just comes down to the quarterback play. Um, it's just Michael Pittman can get open, but there's a chance that one Matt Ryan just doesn't make a good throw or he's already having pressure and then at that point he can't really move anymore. So I it's just really tough for me to trust these guys uh, in this situation. But I would say, you know, boom bust for Michael Pittman, probably, in my opinion, closer to a wide receiver three than a wide receiver two, but uh, not not too much disparity there. Yeah, I'm a little more bullish, I'd say. I like Michael Pittman as a solid wide receiver two this week, maybe towards the lower end of the spectrum if I was doing rankings, but I'd be just fine with him in my lineup. And again, this matchup is, you know, the whole reason why we're in a dome. Temperature-controlled environment, always good around this time of year just to not have to worry about that. And then, uh, you know, the second this, I just love the way this Vikings team plays for the opposing wide receivers. You know, you have a good offense that's going to put up some points. And, you know, that so the, the Colts and Matt Ryan are going to have to throw the ball. Pittman's going to be the recipient a lot of the time, and this is not a great secondary. So it's just a good, uh, good formula for fantasy success there. 
Yep, and I, I will say, but we're going to get into a lot of wide receivers, and we're going to talk a lot about you know matchup dependency and who they're playing and who you're playing in your fantasy matchup. I would say Michael Pittman's a pretty safe player this week with this matchup. Um, again, I do think that his ceiling is probably capped at a certain point just with the quarterback play, but you know that wide receiver two to three border. Um, yeah, he should he should most likely be in your lineups. If not, then you have some really other high end options that you that you you're playing over. Yeah, and then Paris Campbell, um, I, I'm kind of souring on him a little bit. I think his floor is a little too low for me to be trusting him at this point in the fantasy season. But then all the things I said about Michael Pittman's matchup still apply. So if you are desperate, I think you could do worse, again, just because of this matchup. But I would be hoping you have a better pivot option than Paris Campbell at this point in the year. I just don't trust him to be as involved as Pittman is from week to week, unfortunately. Yep, I do you have any disagreement there. No, I agree with you on Paris Campbell. If you have a playoff level roster, unless you're in just an extremely deep league, I imagine you have some better options than than Paris Campbell. And then on the Vikings side, uh, it's pretty easy, honestly. Cook, Jefferson, and Hawkinson—they're all in for you. Cousins and Thielen are the only two uh, we can have a little bit of a discussion about here. Kirk Cousins. Solid low-end starter for me. It's not a great matchup against the Colts. not bad either. They've been worse lately too, so I'm just fine with that. Uh, Again, temperature control environment, something I always like this time of year. Just get rid of that variable. But would you rather start Tua or Kirk? Tua on the road against the Bills. Yeah, and I don't want to say too much about Tua right now. We'll get to that matchup when we we get to the Bills-Dolphins game. But I'm going to go Kirk pretty easily in this matchup. Uh, Like you said, in a dome – I think Jefferson is the best wide receiver in football. You know, Thielen is a little iffy for me, but he also has Hawkins. Like ever since we got in Hawkinson, Kirk Cousins has kind of stepped up a little bit as a quarterback, getting kind of that second elite wide receiver or not, but receiving options. So um, I like Kirk Cousins actually a decent amount this week and much more than Tua if that is your decision. Kirk or Trevor against the Cowboys? Oh, that's a pretty good line. I'd imagine they're pretty close. Uh, let me take a look. Yeah, I have them ranked the same. They're both mid to high end streamers for me. Um, if I got to go one, give me Kirk Cousins again in the in the. I guess both of them are going to be inside, but oh no, Jacksonville will be at home. But give me give me Kirk Cousins. I just I, I'm going to take him against this Indianapolis defense. It's been solid this year, but it hasn't been as great as it was in years past. So I just I don't want memories to get me scared off of it. I think Kirk Cousins is the right play. Yeah, a solid low end starter, uh, just above that Trevor Lawrence line, probably below all of the guys you trust above him, like the Dax, the Justin Fields, the you know Burroughs, Herbert, all those guys. Exactly. Uh, so, Thielen, the other guy that we're talking about here, I don't love him in this matchup. They actually, uh, the Colts do have a solid uh, slot corner. His name's Kenny Moore. Uh, he is actually questionable in practice. I'm pretty sure I looked this up earlier. I'll double check that. But you want to give me a little bit on Adam Thielen while I look that up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of I'm going to jump into some of these matchups that you have here because I think they're relatively interesting. Uh, Thielen and Donovan Peoples Jones. Personally, I'm going to go DPJ on that one, and we'll get a little bit into the Amari and DPJ discussion when we get to the Browns game. I just like him in that matchup with Amari potentially being limited, and then uh, Thielen or Lazard. I'm also going to go Alan Lazard over Adam Thielen. That's just more probably of a gut call. I'd say they're probably two. Pretty close to equal wide receivers, but um, I just think that more than likely 
Aaron Rodgers will probably have to throw a little bit more consistently than, you know, Kirk Cousins may. So that, that's just more of a gut call taking Lazard over Thielen. I just, I just don't, I don't have a good feeling about Thielen this weekend. Fair enough. Uh, Kenny Moore is actually out this weekend for the Colts. Love so Adam that, Thielen this weekend. That, <laughs> I was going to say, that fear can be slightly diminished, but yeah, I, we're not crazy about him. I'd probably take him over Lazard. That's more of just the over-under thing. You know, you got a really low over-under in that Green Bay Rams yeah, game, and then that's this fair. one is eight points higher. So I'd probably tie-break there with Thielen, but it's not a strong lane at all. Yep. Let's go ahead and move on to Baltimore at Cleveland next Saturday matchup. Cleveland favored by three points at home. little surprise there. Tyler Huntley is going to play this one for Baltimore. That's probably why. Over-under, 38. Going to be a gross divisional battle, very much like the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game was last week. Uh, on the Baltimore side here, uh, J.K. Dobbins, I guess, is the, the first guy I want to mention. Um, how do we feel about him right now? I think... There's some difference of opinion from what I've seen from fantasy analysts this week on Dobbins. Uh, give me your temperature on him, Cody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because Dobbins has been very tough for me to figure out what I want to do with him this week just because, um, I mean, it's been it's been a lot of mixed emotions. So one thing I do want to point out, Cleveland is the 30th best defense against running backs. So he does have a That's very a juicy hard. matchup. Tyler Huntley isn't the greatest thrower of the football, so I'd imagine Baltimore is going to keep this one on the ground quite a bit, so we should see some volume. Um, but he does come with risk. I mean, we'll we'll see how what the snap count and and count or carry count look like this week between him and Gus Edwards. I would say if you were putting J.K. Dobbins in there as you know a flex level player, then um, I trust him a lot more in non PPR, but. It, Gosh, he's so tough. I, I just, I think there's a lot of variables here with Dobbins. For yeah, sure. uh, yeah, you just don't know how the Ravens are going to split this carry load. If they're going to take the load off of him after you know one week of being in there from that knee injury, it's we've seen that swell up before, and you know him having the missed time. So there's definitely a low floor here, but I think you know with this with this really easy matchup, and again the the heavy focus on the run, you'd imagine the Ravens have. I think I'm okay throwing Dobbins in there, especially because he's in he's been full participant in practice so far this week. That gives me confidence that yeah. you know he's gonna get ten to fifteen carries. That might be all he needs. And, you know, there's there's potential for more here too if this uh this Cleveland game, game stays close late and you know they just keep pounding the rock. So yeah. I think I'm gonna throw Dobbins in as a low end RB two myself and just kinda hope, but there is a low floor, it is scary. Yep, and I don't. I'm gonna try not to use this cop out a bunch in this episode, but it's very easy to do. I think Dobbins is one of those guys that's gonna be very matchup dependent. If you are at a you know an even matchup right. and you maybe have a safer player, then I would go Dobbins because he does have that higher upside potential. But if you're projected to win yep. by 25 points this week and you have Dobbins and someone who you would consider safer in your mind, then I may take Dobbins out and just take you know the risk of a, a low floor out of my lineup. So, again, don't want to use that cop-out too much this episode. You'll probably hear it a few other times, but just a little matchup dependent for me, which makes it hard for me to give that definitive tag as plug-and-play him as an RB2 or anything like that. Huntley, he's a mid-tier QB2, okay option in Superflex. Andrews, I think you got to throw him in there as long as Huntley is playing. We were a little bit scared about the prospect of Anthony Brown being his quarterback, but now that we've seen – you know, we've seen him and Huntley have success before. Uh, the tight end position is what it is. So I think you got you got to throw him in there 
Is there any way you'd consider benching him, or are you just pretty much starting him? Nope. As long as Honley is his starter, he is locked and loaded for me. He is right up there with any of those starters, like uh, you know Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard, you know George Kittle level players. So, got to put him in there as long as the quarterback plays competent. And I know we didn't see it this year in the one game Tyler Honley started, but last year Tyler Honley did hyper target Mark Andrews. For my sake, in my work league, I hope he does that this weekend. Yeah, you got to play him. Uh, ceiling's too high. We just saw that with George Kittle. Got to play those guys every week uh, as long as their quarterback plays anywhere near competent. On the Cleveland side, uh, David Njoku's in there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, he's a two QB league option. I'm not considering him in one quarterback situations. Nick Chubb, he scares me. This matchup is very tough. The Baltimore Ravens have a great defense, especially against the run, uh, but you cannot sit him. So I think you got to throw him in there and just hope. He's also been, you know, a little inconsistent the past few weeks, especially uh, with Watson back in the lineup. So that does worry you a little bit, but I don't think you could possibly pivot off of Chubb. The wide receivers. I think this is where the conversation is to be had here. How much are you discounting Amari Cooper because of his injury? Or is this, uh, you know, more about the tough matchup? I know Baltimore is 26th against wide receivers, uh, according to CBS, but I think they've been a lot better lately, and that was, you know, they had that huge game against Miami earlier in the year with, uh, you know, some of their secondary beat up, so that probably skews it a little bit. Are you uh, trying to avoid Cooper, or you think you're just throwing him out there because of his potential? Um, well, I will say one thing about Baltimore. They do have a pretty solid pass rush, and the addition of Roquan Smith has probably helped that out a little bit as well. Changes so. defense for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I would say I'm a little bit more worried about the pass rush getting to Deshaun Watson and just his third game back, still getting his feet underneath him. But looking at the wide receiver position in particular, um, I would say Amari Cooper, I, he's not a locked and loaded wide receiver one or two for me this week. I'd say he's flex level. And I think the guy you have listed here, I'll let you ask me, 100% would play that guy over Amari Cooper. Zonovan Knight or Amari Cooper? Yeah, Zonovan Knight for sure. My thing with Amari Cooper is we saw and, – and it's back-to-back weeks, and I know the injury is a factor as well. He has not been a good fantasy wide receiver with Deshaun Watson throwing him the football coupled with this injury. One thing about Amari Cooper is he could do it any given week. He is a very good NFL-level wide receiver, so if he can get He's a little bit – and he's at home, which if you want to ride that narrative, go right ahead. <laughs> it's uh, been ridiculously strong this year. Yes. Almost incredible how like how just split it's been. The right one now, away game like, he was amazing was an away game in Detroit where they played Buffalo. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it is right. a, it is a, a good, site. strong narrative there. Uh, my issue is, like you said in your no- news and notes, if he's limited, that's going to scare me off him in a fantasy matchup. And it's just one of those guys, again, I, I just don't want to have to you know play him on that Saturday – and him dud on me, and then it just kind of feels like I wrapped up my fantasy playoffs. So Would as weird as that may be, his I, teammate no. DPJ. I very bold, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go yes. I would play Donovan Peoples Jones. Really? Yeah, wow. he looked good last week okay. with Deshaun Watson. Um, and I do think if Amari Cooper does get out there and he's out there for a good allotment of snaps, there is a chance where he just gets some defensive attention that opens it up for Donovan Peoples Jones as well, like they did a little bit Fair last enough. week. So. Bold call, but, yeah, I mean, if I had both on my roster, I'd go DPJ uh, over Amari Cooper. I may actually take a look to bet that, see if I could bet DPJ more receiving yards than Amari Cooper this week. I'm sure you'd get some uh, you get some juice on that, too. I, I don't know if I'd go that bold uh, just because of Cooper's pedigree, but I do agree it's from the eye test, especially last week, it, it's not – it's not a horrible argument. I think Cooper's injury is still there, uh, but I, I always hate trying to guess how injured a player is. If they're playing, a lot of the time I just kind of have to assume they're okay. 
because you know I, I just I get burned all the time thinking oh this guy's gonna be hobbled uh, and then he comes out and he's fine or you know uh, going the opposite way with it so uh, I just try to ignore that as long as he's playing but uh, you know this in this case it might actually be something to to think about yeah. Anything else on the Browns, Cody? Yeah, I just want to say don't hear what I'm not saying if you're a listener. Don't go take Amari Cooper out of your lineup to play like a George Pickens or anything ridiculous like that. Like Amari Cooper's pedigree still stands on its own. But if you have some of these other options that, you know, I'm more excited about, you're more excited about as the player yourself, then, uh, you know, I'm okay with benching Amari Cooper and just waiting to see it with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, 10 team leagues, you can consider benching them. Any larger uh, format right. than that, For you're sure. probably going to be playing them no matter what. Uh, Dolphins at Bills is the last game on Saturday night this week. Buffalo favored by seven points at home, over under up to 44. It's kind of bounced around this week. I believe it opened at 45, went all the way down to 42 and a half when the weather looked bad. Now it's starting to clear up a little bit, so it's it's up to 44. Uh, I don't really know. I, again, this is weather and injuries are the two toughest things for us to predict from a fantasy perspective because you really just it, it's it's a complete crapshoot to be honest. So a lot of times, weather's very bad for games. Sometimes it can actually help the offenses. So it's it is a very hard thing to predict. But on the Miami side, uh, I think some interesting conversations can be had here. Uh, we'll just start with Tyree Kill. He is in uh, no you know absolutely nothing to talk about with him. Raheem Mostert. Uh, I'm not excited to start him, but if Wilson sits, I feel like he's you know solidly in the RB2 range. He's going to get too much work to sit. Uh, do you have any different opinion on the Miami guys? My opinion would be just in a general sense. Mostert's in if Wilson sits. If both of them are in, I'm trying to avoid them. What do you think? Yeah, it's that easy with the running back room for me as well because, um, like you said, with Jeff Wilson, we we kind of expected him to, to definitely miss this week. So the fact he's at least back in practice in a limited fashion – I mean, if he gets back out there, there's there's nothing stopping them from splitting carries, and we've also already seen it go Wilson's way, you know, before when we were quite weren't quite expecting that. So if they're both out there, you've got a bench Moster. But if he's the only guy, I mean, he's a very exciting. I mean, man, still Buffalo, so it's a little scary, but a more exciting RB two play with uh, with no Wilson. Quick temperature check: Mostert with Wilson or uh, Fournette against the Bengals? Oh gosh, that's so. Terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go. Oh, I Moster with I'm gonna Wilson. Go yeah, that's fine. I I think that that they're both very 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 risky plays. So I mean, hopefully I'm just confident your... Fournette's gonna get that goal line carry. If uh, that's fair, in, you know, yeah, I think that's where I if they can get to the goal line also, which is a factor fair in Tampa enough. Bay. But yeah, I would say they're very very close to me, and really, Matt, they're not matchup dependent because I think they're very similar players. If they both end up playing, you're you're kind of just hoping that the workload goes their way or the touchdown goes their way. A lot of people have been riding with Tua this year as their starter to great success for most of the year. The, la- the past few weeks have not been so pretty, and then he now travels to Buffalo in the cold-weather environment against a defense that's been improving over the past few weeks. So how are we feeling about Tua? Are you completely avoiding him, or are you, you know, still confident as a low-end starter? Where do you fall? Yeah, let's let's find the line on Tua where we're both at. I I'm very very low on him. Uh, I just looked up the the weather report for Orchard Park. There is a fifty percent chance of snow on Sunday. That doesn't tell me morning, you know, game to or Saturday. It's sorry. Saturday. Yeah, thank okay, you. Sixty yeah, percent chance on Saturday. High of thirty two. So it's going to be cold regardless, and there's a chance of you know precipitation coming down. 
Um, I, I don't like to, uh, for one, against these better defenses and Buffalo's turned their defense around the past few weeks, and he has just looked rough, and I I can't trust him this week personally. Like in a league where I had Tua, I mean, I, I just could not could not play him this week if I had the choice. Um, I just want to throw a couple Tua names Mike White. Yeah, Mike oh, White. One, Mike White 100% for me. I don't think that one's too questionable unless there's something negative really? injury-wise that comes out. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, that one's tough for me. I, you know, that that's just – Seems like maybe chasing a little bit, but I think I think I might go Mike White too. That this whole situation with the Dolphins does scare me pretty bad. My, I think his thing, floor. I, go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. No, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go right ahead. I think Tua's floor is a lot lower than Mike White's against the Detroit Lions. I, I just feel like you know he's going to get at least one touchdown. Whether he gets two or three will determine you know his fantasy day, I guess, from uh, that perspective. But I can't see the the Jets just being completely shut down by the Lions. I could see the Dolphins being completely shut down by the Bills. Yeah, this is going to be a primetime game for the Bills in a game that they already lost. They lost to Miami earlier this year in Miami. So, And yeah, if Miami right. wins this game, I believe it's going to put them first in the division, right? Because that would give them both four losses. So, um, Or did Miami – Miami might be a five now. That might not be a, a Yeah, issue, they're a five. But, yep. Okay, so that's probably not too much. Buffalo's pretty much got it wrapped up. Either way. Um, even, even if they lose. So – uh, but Buffalo's playing for first place, so that defense is going to be reared up. It's basically a primetime game, so you're getting primetime Tua. And I, I just – I'm avoiding them in, in any situation that I can. I would say if you're getting as low as like a, a Tom Brady or Tua, I'm still going to take Tua over Tom Brady and just trust his weapons. Um, this is an interesting one. I think Tua or – Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football. Would you stick with two or pivot I'll, to I'll Rodgers? I'll stick with two there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, I'd, I'd say I'd bet puts him at a, a mid-level streamer then this week, but I'm I'm very very scared for this matchup for him. If you if you are playing, any hesitation on his wide receiver Jalen Waddle? Uh, he has been struggling the past few weeks, but we know his upside is immense. So do you just got to throw him in there and hope, or are you actually trying to make a pivot? Yeah, this is going to be one of those cop-outs. I think it's going to be a little matchup dependent here. If you are, you know, after, let's say, the guy you're playing had CMC and George Kittle and you're looking like you need a boom week, then I think you got to go Waddle because he has a nose for the end zone, so he could get you a couple of those touchdowns back. Um, if you are projected to win by 10 or 15, then I would say maybe if you had a another, you know, safe option, safer option i would consider it but it would it's gonna have to take a really good roster for me to find a way to get jalen waddle on the bench let's go ahead and transition this into the bills talk here so my first question uh for the bills side will involve jalen waddle on the other side would you rather play him or gabe davis <laughs> i think i gotta go jalen waddle his just his yeah, his talent has has proven that he can he can overcome tough matchups and such gabe davis has been a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, I believe the stat was six out of the seven past weeks. He hasn't put up at least 10 full-point PPR points. So, um, yeah, Gabe Davis, a little bit scared, but should be a decent matchup against Miami. So I think you could still play him. And even if it is bad weather, I'm going to trust Josh Allen in bad weather over uh, over Tua. So maybe a couple of other factors you want to you wanna take a look at there as well. So for the rest of the Bills, I think Steph Diggs and Josh Allen are locks. The running yeah. backs, I am trying to avoid completely. I don't want to try to guess who it's going to be this week. Singletary would be the one I'd go with just for 
the safety of touches, but I don't have a strong lean one way or another. Do you uh, agree or disagree? Well, I would think if the Bills got up by, you know, a couple of touchdowns and they wanted to try and run the ball out, it, I would think it'd go Singletary's way, but, you know, they could be up by a couple of touchdowns and want to give the rookie a little bit more run. So I have no beat on this game. Um, the only thing I could say, if you have, if you think this is going to be a close game where the Bills are, you know, needing to make drives, then the third and fourth quarter, I would like James Cook a little bit more and a little bit more versatile out of the backfield, but. I'm going to have to be extremely desperate to play either of these two guys. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I'm playing over these two guys. Amari Cooper, I'm playing over these two guys. Um, would you play Adam Thielen over these two guys? Yes, I would. And, and then yeah, Al- if it's not DVR, maybe Singletary, but uh, I'd go Thielen most likely. And then Alan Lazard, I'll, I'll take Lazard over both of them as well. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. So unless you're just – Really, really, really desperate at the running back position. I think you can move both these guys to your bench. There's got to be, especially in a half of full point PPR, there's got to be some wide receivers that you've stashed that, that can get you more points than these guys. So we already talked about Gabe Davis a little bit. Just give me a quick answer here on a couple uh, lineup decisions. Would you rather start Gabe Davis or Mike Evans? Huh. Damn. <laughs> very That's, similar uh, archetypes. At this yeah, point. very similar at this point. Yeah, I mean, they, they both have been pretty bad for fantasy football as of recently. So, um, I mean, if I have Gabe Davis and Mike Evans, let me scroll down here to the Tampa Bay. Cincinnati at home. Yeah, Cincinnati at home. I I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think I, I just got to go with uh, – Gabe Davis. I, I don't really love it necessarily, but and I know Mike Evans. He's had two long touchdowns called back due to penalties, but I mean that's you know you can you can use that for an argument for Mike Evans. But the guy that has gotten both those penalties is the most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL. So it's just what he does. So even you know I guess you have that factor even if he does catch one. So I, I'm going to go Gabe Davis, but it's not a strong lead. Davis or Pittman. I'm also I'm also gonna go Davis, and if we had to make the decision, I'd go Mike Evans over Michael Pitt. I'm not. I'm, never mind. Let's not discuss that one. We're on Gabe Davis. Fair enough. <laughs> Dawson Knox. Uh, I I don't really want to start him. He's just very tight end or bust, as my friend Cody would like to say. But yeah. uh, I, I think he's he's a streaming option. Uh, the the matchup's not that bad. Yeah, he's an option with a decent matchup. So if you are streaming the tight end position and. Uh, I, I don't know. I like to think if you are in the playoffs, you probably have found some kind of consistency at the tight end position. So, I mean, if you have not at this point, Dawson Knox is a good old t- tight end or bust, uh, bust kind of guy. Then let's move on to the Sunday slate. We really got to get rolling here. So we are not getting into bed at 1.30 tonight. We're going to quicken up the pace a little bit here. Detroit at the Jets is our first game. Uh, the Jets are favored by one point over under 44 and a half. This is going to be a very interesting game. I don't think anybody expected Lions at Jets to be, you know, have massive playoff implications, but it really does for both teams. So it's going to be fun to watch. This is a lot of like, you know, strength against strength with, and then weakness against weakness with uh, a few of these matchups here. You've got a great Detroit offense, great Jets defense. You've got, uh, you know, a average getting better Detroit defense, but you know, not great, and then you know that the Jets offense that's been better lately, but not their strength either. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Jared Goff, I think I'm just trying to avoid him. This matchup scares me. He's been great lately, but it's been at home and it's been against some soft matchups. So are you 
I'm pretty much I'm avoiding him to the point where I think Tom Brady I'm starting over him. I would even consider Tyler Huntley over him. Uh, you know that level of guy. So I'm I'm pretty much just off Jared Goff. for you? Yeah, uh, you, you disagree with that? You have to be off of him this week. I mean, Tyler Huntley was probably on just about everyone's waiver wire in one QB leagues, and I agree with you. I'd play him. But I would not drop Jared Goff. His next two weeks are at Carolina and Chicago. We'll see that Carolina defense is showing us a little bit of something down the stretch here. But I think he may be a solid quarterback to finish out your season. But you've got to have a pivot Definitely option hang on this week. Uh, Jared, Jared Goff, I mean, there's a chance. that this, I mean, he's been really, really good. So you know you got that that dud game coming from Jared Goff sooner or later. This just is the perfect matchup for it to happen. Amonra St. Brown's a start. Uh, DJ Shark, yep. the other wide receiver here, I think is the one I'm trying to avoid. He plays on the outside. He will see a lot of, of uh, Amont Gardner. And uh, DJ Reed, the corner on the other side, on the outside for the Jets, is also very good. So that's just a really tough matchup for Shark. I would be avoiding him pretty much at all costs. St. Brown, just a slight downgrade, but he's still a start just because of his uh, you know, PBR value. So do you have disagreements on the wide receivers? Nope, not at all. I would also be trying to avoid Shark. DeAndre Swift. I, you know, I'm just going to throw it to you because I have no idea what to do with Swift this week. If you want, we can just move into these, uh, you know, lineup decisions I have. But I, I can't even begin to guess how he's going to be used. You know, we had the the 18 touch performance a couple weeks ago. We thought he was kind of back, but right back to nine touches this past week. So I have no confidence he's going to be heavily involved. He could, you know, he gets six or seven touches. He could get. 15 to 20, but uh, do you have any read on this situation? So one thing that I think is just a good way to think about this, if you drafted DeAndre Swift and you have made the playoffs with DeAndre Swift still on your roster, I'd imagine you have to have picked up better options at this point that you can trust in a week like this week. So I'd imagine in most situations, he's a must sit for me. I mean, you'd have to have some really low level options for me to you know play Swift over him. Um, the, the guys you have listed here, J.K. Dobbins, 100% playing over DeAndre Swift. And then his yep. running weight, running mate, Jamal Williams, is the guy in Detroit that I would start if I had to start one of these two running backs. I understand Swift. I mean, I, I'm, I understand Swift has that higher upside. He has the PPR upside because he does catch the passes out of the backfield. But I, I just cannot go into this week trusting DeAndre Swift to get me forward in my fantasy playoffs. I I don't know how you could if you've you know had him all season long. Yeah, he is a very very boomer bust option. Again, if you're one of those teams you're really swinging for the fences against a much better opponent, and you need DeAndre Swift to you know possibly give you a boom game, go ahead. But otherwise, I would be trying to avoid him. And then his teammate Jamal Williams, kind of the opposite. He really presents a pretty safe floor. He's going to get the touches. You know, he could end up with like a you know an. 16 for 40 game and that wouldn't be great but i think his touchdown upside is just too high to to avoid completely i think he's a solid low-end rb2 option in pretty much all formats maybe full ppr you could try to pivot off of him but half and nine you got to start him yep anything else on the lines nope i think you nailed it on the jet side uh mike white he's a solid streamer this week uh we already we already uh broached this question earlier with tua or mike white but uh, so we, we like Mike White over Tua this week, and I think he'd be below most of the other guys we've talked about, like Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins. Would you start him over those guys, or would you put him you know, in between those two and Tua? I would say he is right underneath those two guys for me. It, it would be uh, 
Cousins, Lawrence, and then Mike White would be kind of that third guy. Um, again, mid to high end streamer, maybe back end starter, depending on how many teams you have in your league. Yeah, he's a legitimate option this week against this defense. They are 32nd against fantasy quarterbacks. That is as good as a matchup gets uh, at this point in the year, obviously. Zonovan Knight, the running back that we're looking at in the Jets' room here. We've talked about it the past couple weeks. This Detroit matchup is you know, not what it used to be. It's actually pretty tough, especially for running backs lately. But again, uh, the Jets are going to have scoring opportunities. We saw it with uh, Dalvin Cook last week. He got a touchdown. He just didn't get any yards to support it. So if Zonovan Knight can get himself to 50 or 60 scrimmage yards and get in the end zone, he's going to have a decent day. I'd call him a solid RB2. I'm, I'm pretty much just starting him. I don't, I don't even know if we have to have any lineup discussion with him, honestly. Do you feel differently? No, and, and I do want to say that I think this may be – I don't think that the, that the Jets can blow out Detroit because their their offense isn't good enough. But I do think this is a chance where we could see the Jets up by 10, 10-ish points at you know some point in the second quarter. And maybe Zonovan Knight just gets a little bit more workload than Dalvin Cook was able to last weekend. So that's one thing is Detroit has been able to score so many points that the running back has become a non-factor in a lot of their matchups. That's a good point. So this one, I don't know if they're going to be able to run it up on the Jets. I think Zonovan Knight's going to be able to establish something on the ground at least. So, um, like, we have been a very, you know, heavy Detroit Lions running defense podcast over the past month. But I do think that uh, Bam Knight is a guy that you should lock into your lock into your lineups this week. Yeah, that's a great point that you just made. The, the Jets defense should be able to at least be able to slow down this offense a little bit to the point where they can keep the running game a you know factor in their offense. I like that Jets minus one, too. Might see that featured on the best bets pod at some point. Garrett Wilson, he's a lineup lock this week. Uh, they are uh, the, the Lions are 31st against wide receivers, so that lines up pretty well for Garrett Wilson owners. Eli Moore, I think, is even an option this week. I'd call him a mid-tier wide receiver three. He got 10 targets last week, and there's no Corey Davis heading into this one. So I think you could see, you know, if you see eight targets against this Lions secondary, that's that's enough to get you there. I'd call him a mid-tier wide receiver three. Would you start Eli Moore or Adam Thielen? I'm going Eli Moore in that in that uh, debate. I think Eli Moore is a really good, I a really good option this week. Again, 31st against wide receivers, 32nd against quarterbacks. So this Jets team should be able to get it going at least a little bit through the air. Um, and Elijah Moore has been effective with Mike White out there. Um, only thing that I was concerned about when it came to Elijah Moore was Corey uh, Davis's status. Have you seen anything about him for this game? Uh, I, I know he left last game with a concussion, so usually I just assume those guys are going to miss a week. Um, gotcha. Let's take a look here. Sideline at practice like Thursday, he, so yeah, um, I would expect him probably to not sure. going to play. Um, so yeah, then then load up Elijah Moore. I think that he is he's a really good you know wide receiver three to flex level option this week. And Gary Wilson maybe yeah, almost almost on that borderline of an RB one this week with this match or wide receiver one this week. So he is for sure locked and loaded. One of my favorite DFS plays as well. Ty Conklin, I'm trying to avoid. Just has not seen the consistent involvement that we need uh, at this point in the year. Again, if you're a playoff team, I hope you have better options than Ty Conklin. Exactly. Cowboys at Jaguars is our next game. Dallas. Favored by four points on the road here, over under 48. Surprised to see that line where it is, too. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction to what happened last week. Obviously, Jacksonville looked good on the road against Tennessee, and then Dallas struggled at home against Houston. But what do you think that line would have been if we would have, you know, if Dallas and Jacksonville would have played last week instead? I think I think this is a, you know, eight-point line in Dallas's favor. So 
maybe just overreacting a little bit to one week. I don't know. Could make its way under the best bets pot as well. What do you think? I don't hate it, uh, but you are talking to the resident Jacksonville fan, so Jaguar all, Fair maybe. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but I do agree with more. you. I, I will say the Houston Chiefs line is Chiefs minus 14, I believe. So even that line came down a little bit. The da- Dallas was favored by 17 and a half. So, um, yeah, I, I think there may be a little bit of a Vegas, you know, over maybe not overreaction on the Chiefs game, but on this Dallas line. I would rather have seen Jacksonville closer to plus a touchdown if I was going to bet the Jacksonville side. So I do think the value is on Dallas right now. Cowboys are super easy this week. Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, yep, yep. C.D. Lamb, yep. Dalton Schultz, yep. Dak Prescott, yes, sir. So the only conversation comes from Michael Gallup. He's a low-end option. He's got a very low floor. I think this is, again, this is kind of one of those guys where uh, you're just, if you are taking your shot on a guy that could score multiple touchdowns, Michael Gallup is that. But he could also get you four for, you know, 25. So um, I think you just got to realize what you have in Michael Gallup and use him appropriately depending on your fantasy matchup this week. Uh, Do you have anything to add on the Cowboys at all? Oh, I do, I do want to touch on Michael Gallup because I have a couple names kind of similar to him. just want to see where you're at. Sure. Would you rather play him, Joshua Palmer, or Elijah Moore if you had that trio of wide receivers? I would be playing Eli Moore pretty easily over those other two, and then I would okay. think I would go Palmer and then Gallup. Okay. Yeah, I would say because I see you have him over Chark, but I think Chark's just out of the picture for me this week. So um, Right. Yeah, I think I think he is a low-end option, but like you said, he could you know score two touchdowns. It should be a – a decent scoring game um, from both sides. So uh, if you if you want to call your shot on Gallup, go ahead. But I do think he's a, among the guys on those lower end options. Jacksonville, we have some conversations to be had here. We've got a tough matchup against this Dallas defense at home. The over-under is very solid, though, 48 yep. points. And uh, that leaves 22 implied points for this Jacksonville offense, which is plenty of room to get some nice fantasy production from these guys. We'll just go ahead and start at the top with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we've kind of established his line pretty well at this point, so I don't know if we need to belabor him. Uh, we have him, you know, just below Cousins and above Mike White, Tua, Tom Brady, those types. So yep. he's a solid low end starter this week. Travis Etienne, I think he is just too. He just gets too much volume to sit. Uh, do we have any thought on benching him? I I would probably just call him an RB two and. You know, that's that's sort of just how it has to be at this point in the year. He's a little scary because of the last few weeks, but I can't imagine sitting him with the volume he's getting. Yeah, yeah exactly. You got to play the volume. Um, I do have I do have an interesting question, though, for you. Would you rather play Zonovan Knight or Travis Etienne? That is a very good question. Oh, man. Uh, I think I'm going to go Zonovan Knight, though. Uh, I, I just really like the way that Jets offense has looked, and I have, I have a less fears that the Jets will be blown out in that game than I than uh you know the Jacksonville Jaguars in this one potentially yeah. being the you know down two scores for most of it. So that's your uh, biggest that concern with Travis Etienne. He just does not exactly. get the passing game involvement that he honestly probably should. Reason. But I love that question you were just about you just added right there because that's my other flex decision. Travis Etienne or Christian Watson. I think I'd go ETN again. I, I don't. I think that Packers Rams game just scares me a little bit. I could easily see that being a you know. I'll bet the under in that one, game. The thirteen yeah. slugfests, and you know, if you don't get one of those touchdowns, Quatson will bust. That is just a very scary feeling on a Monday night. So, I think I'd go ETN. Hopefully, hopefully he falls in the end zone and gets you you know seventy to eighty yards on the ground as well and has a good day for you. 
Perfect. For the wide receivers, similar situation here. Uh, the you know the the defense not quite as strong in the secondary as it is against the run, but still uh, not a matchup to exploit necessarily. Uh, I'm pretty much just sticking to my guns here with Kirk and Jones, though I am slightly leaning Kirk. He is you know low end two, high end three. Jones more of a mid tier three. Uh, so I think you're mostly starting Christian Kirk. You know, if you have a really strong roster, you can go ahead and consider benching him. But I think they should have to throw a, bu a bunch in this game either way. And Kirk's, uh, you know, he's still the, the target I prefer here. So I would start him. And then Zay Jones, would you rather start him or Donald and Beavis Jones? Oh, uh, very, very similar to me. But I do like, um, I do like this matchup just slightly more. And Zay Jones, you know, I, I don't really like trusting him in back-to-back -back weeks. He hasn't really proven to be able to. Uh, back up a good performance, but I think I like him just slightly over Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, I think I do too. I think he's a solid option. Um, again, we're not trying to chase last week and say he's better than Kirk, or at least I'm not, but I think he you know, presents solid upside at home against, again, in a game that has a surprisingly high over-under to me. Uh, and then I guess I'll ask this question. I think I know you're going to go, though, where you're going to go, though. Zay or Adam Thielen? Yeah, give me Zay. Yeah, fair enough. Evan Ingram. I'm not going crazy after last week. It's a really bad matchup. Dallas is first in the league against tight ends. Uh, a lot of times the tight end matchups aren't, you know, very prescriptive just because it's tough when, you know, there's two or three really good tight ends. And if you have to play one of those guys, it can really skew your matchup grade. But when you're first or you're 32nd, those are usually, you know, the heavy outliers are the ones you want to look at. So Evan Ingram, very tough matchup this week. I'd call him a low end starter just because again, the position is very barren, but I'm not forcing him into your lineup, even though he had the huge week last week. Would you start him or Gerald Everett against the Titans? Yeah, you have to go Gerald Everett there. Um, and that's just playing the matchups. I believe Tennessee is either in the high 20s or in the low, in the 30s on, you know, points given up to the tight end position. So, I, and you got Justin Herbert, you got the full allotment of options there. So I don't want that to scare you off of Everett. I think that may give him a little bit more potential because defenses won't necessarily focus on him too much and yeah if you want to if you want to play ingram against me this week and try and back up his 41 point performance i would be glad to see evan ingram in that uh in that uh opposing imposing tight end position yeah i don't foresee anywhere near that performance coming again anytime soon for evan ingram we can move on to our next game here chiefs at texans chiefs as Cody alluded to earlier, favored by 14 points on the road. Over-under is a pretty juicy 49 points here. Most of those obviously given to the Chiefs side. Uh, on the Chiefs side of things, I think it's pretty easy mostly. Uh, we'll get into a conversation about the wide receivers, but I'll run through the solid locks real quick. Mahomes, he's in. Kelsey, he's in. And Isaiah Pacheco with uh, the 32nd ranked defense against running backs is a start for me as well. Uh, I guess we can start with his backfield mate, Jarek McKinnon. I think I am trying to avoid him even after the big week last week. Again, he makes his hay mostly in the passing game, and I don't. I just don't think it's going to be incredibly necessary. I think there's a very low floor for McKinnon. I'm not sure I'm willing to risk in my lineup this week. How do you feel about him? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think if you have a playoff level roster, I think you probably have some more safer options than McKinnon. And really, I mean, I know we saw a boom game last week from him, but one was on a completely broken touchdown. Um, so I, I just don't have a lot of faith in him being able to mimic anything close to what he did last week. Again, from really now for the rest of the season. I mean, the good thing about Houston, they give it up to the running back. So 
If you're in a situation where you do have to play him, he may get enough work against a bad defense to get, um, you know, some points for you. But I would play Pacheco 100%, and I, I got to avoid McKinnon if you can. Um, like I said, if you're in a if you're a playoff level roster, I'd imagine you are uh, you got some other options to play this week. Juju is the other guy I think we should talk about. Uh, he's a low end wide receiver three for me. I'm trying to avoid him. This matchup has not been great for receivers, not because they have a great secondary, but because you know throwing against the Texans is a luxury that most NFL teams do not choose to exercise. Uh, would you rather play Juju or Zay Jones against the Cowboys? Um, so this is going to be a little bit dependent here. Uh, Kadarius Tony and McCole Hardman. I have not looked up either of their, you know, what they're looking like for this week. If either of those guys play, I'm going to go Zay Jones. But if it's just Juju and MBS, uh, give me Juju. And, and and you know, I know this is definitely a good matchup for running backs, and but I think a lot of this is just a lot of teams don't have to throw on Houston, so they're just you know stats aren't going to be piling up for the quarterback or wide receiver, so um, give me Mahomes, you know, wide receiver one and Juju if, if his two next guys are probably going to miss. Fair enough. I think I'm going to take Zay Jones again. I think just the guaranteed pass volume uh, is the thing I'm looking for here. That's fair. And that's more more so guaranteed pass volume in the direction of Juju. Uh, I think Mahomes is going to throw the ball 30 times no matter what, even if they blow him out, but – you know, they just spread the ball around in KC, so I don't love re- relying on that in my fantasy playoffs. Uh, zeros yeah. will kill you. On I do agree Houston with side, you. He's a wide receiver three-level player. So, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't love Juju and against, you know, good wide receivers, but if you're at that low level of an option, I don't mind him. Sorry. Houston side's pretty easy. Uh, we are only – there's only two guys that I want to talk about here. I'm not trusting Rex Burkhead or Dare Wale. No idea how that split's going to be handled. Burkhead probably gets most of the rushing downs, but, again, uninspiring option there. I'm trying to avoid at all costs pretty much. The the interesting one that I want to talk about here, I don't know if you've seen this. This is pretty funny, though. Uh, for the quarterback position, Jeff, Dr- Jeff Driscoll, he played – 50% of the snaps, they split them right down the middle last week, him and Davis Mills. He has tight end eligibility on Yahoo for whatever reason. I guess the, the Texans tried him out during the you know the preseason at tight end, and they gave him the eligibility on Yahoo, and he still has it. So this is a quarterback playing 50% of the snaps. Uh, you know, Maybe they don't play him 50% of the snaps if it's a game where you know they're trailing by a lot and they – don't have the you know he's more of a running guy so he threw the ball six or seven times did read option pretty much every other time but do you have any interest in him if you're playing on yahoo and you know you're fishing in the the you know the the streamer market for tight ends yeah i mean i can't tell you no because i mean we're going to get to Taysom hill he's basically the new version of Taysom hill and there's going to be plenty of people that trust Taysom plays hill. More. <laughs> yeah exactly but he actually gets 50 percent of the snaps so um, yeah, if you're on Yahoo, then I, I don't mind it. I think this is a little bit risky just because this is going to be a matchup where they're probably going to have to throw a little bit more than run. But we also – I did see something that you know, the the Texans coach said that he is going to kind of keep this rotational quarterback you know, system kind of going until they get it figured out. So don't really know what they're trying to figure out. But at least from the coaching staff, it seems like Jeff, Jeff Driscoll is planning on being out on the field. So – I mean, if you're going to play Taysom Hill, I would play Jeff Driscoll over Taysom Hill at the tight end spot, which isn't saying Driscoll too much. But Or Ingram. Um, 
I think I eh, they are the number one defense against tight ends, so I, I think I may lean Driscoll there, but that's a very fine line that I probably wouldn't go much over Ingram. Would you play Everett over Driscoll, and then we can just set that line, or would yeah. you still play yeah, Driscoll? Yeah, I'm, I'm Everett over Driscoll, yeah, for sure. There you go. Okay, that's a good line then. Uh, low end tight end. Crazy that we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, in the starting tier of tight ends for sure. Uh, if you're at, if you're on Yahoo, go ahead and check it out. If you're starting, you know, a tight end or bust guy, then he could be. He actually moves pretty that. good too. Whenever I got like saw highlights of that game and I saw him running, I've I was always like, liked Driscoll. Yeah, yeah, I was like, damn, he can move. I thought he was like a stationary quarterback and that's why it never worked out for him but he, he's got some legs i feel like he should be a backup somewhere i feel like he he, he came in and filled in for detroit a couple times and yep. he always he moves he moves the offense down the field at the very least I, I i'll give him that he he's an interesting player chris moore from the wide receiver rooms the only other guy i want to talk about i am actually somewhat interested here if there's no, if there's no nico collins and no brandon cooks if either one of those two guys play i'm completely avoiding everyone in this situation yep. uh, but he's my favorite wide receiver in this game if they miss uh how do you feel about that uh me slandering your your juju smith schuster well i think that <laughs> don't call him my juju smith schuster i don't want that <laughs> i don't want that on my hands. well they're your chiefs so. yeah no i got you for sure um uh, where were we going here? Oh, yes, more over Juju. If, if you do think the Chiefs are going to be up by, you know, basically 14 points for the majority of this game and Houston's going to have to be throwing the football, I, I don't know why you'd lean away from more if the other two options miss. So it's more of just a matchup play. Um, and, I mean, we even saw last week against Dallas when it was close. He was very fantasy valuable just on everyone's waivers. So I think as long as the other two are gone, I have no problem playing more. I would say he's right at that same line of Juju and maybe give more of the bump just because they will uh, have to pass probably a little bit more than the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, I, I like I like him as well. Again, just no Collins and no Cooks. If either of those guys play, Chris Moore goes right you could probably boot him right back to waivers. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, I think he's an interesting option. He definitely has a very, very low floor because he's Chris Moore. He's a twenty-nine year old journeyman wide receiver. He could just completely dudge you. But someone's got to catch where passes. They should have to throw exactly. Yeah, and he, you know, he did it last week against a much better defense on the road. So I figure he can uh, get it done against this week Chiefs secondary. Yeah, Eagles Not, uh... at Bayard. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, just I, I gotta quit, quit throwing out these little dumb comments, but now don't want to don't want to <laughs> ponder on this too much because obviously he's a, an amazing wide receiver now. But pretty sure Amon Ross St. Brown was almost not rostered in the majority of leagues uh, heading into the fantasy playoffs and won plenty of people championships last year. So you just never know where those points are going to come from. And Chris Moore might be one of those guys that he may not be in your lineup for the next three weeks, but if he's in there this weekend puts up a 20-burger for you and gets you in the next week. I mean, you're going to be telling all your friends about how Chris Moore saved your fantasy season. Yeah, an extra you know, an extra bump for just the, the flex you get to put on the other managers in your league for beating them with Chris Moore. Eagles at Bears is our next game here. I'm pretty excited for this game, honestly. I, I think I like the over quite a bit here. It's uh, Eagles by nine right now on the road. Over-under is 48 and a half. On the Philly side, this is, again, a very easy discussion for me. Jalen Hurts is in. A.J. Brown's in. Dallas Goddard, if he's active, is in. Seems like he will be. Uh, Miles Sanders is in. And then Devonta Smith, uh, we can have a quick discussion about. I'm still playing him. I know that you know with Goddard returning, he might lose a few targets, but he's been playing so well lately, and this Bears secondary does not scare you whatsoever. And I think there could be a lot of points in this one. So 
I am not taking Devonta Smith out of my lineup. Yeah, no way. Devonta Smith's a lineup lock at this point. I feel like he's really carved out a uh, solid role in this offense that maybe wasn't established for him uh, at the beginning of the season. So unless we see it just swing back completely with Dallas Goddard back in, uh, Smith is going to be a lineup lock for me at this point. And then on the Chicago side, I again, I am very excited for this game, mostly because I think both teams will be able to score on each other, and that is going to rely on Justin Fields coming through. In more ways than one for me this week, uh, he's over the illness, and he should be good to go. He's in for me as a solid QB start, probably more around the 6 or 7 range rather than the you know 4, 5, maybe 3 range if he had a good matchup. But uh, I think, you know, again, this defense is good. So it is, it is very good against fantasy quarterbacks, but I, I just think Fields is going to have to do a lot in this game because they're going to be trailing most likely pretty quickly. And... You know, this defense has been susceptible to the run at times as well. So I think those two factors give me relative confidence in playing fields. Do you have any uh, doubts with Justin Fields in your lineup this week, or are you starting him as a, you know, mid-tier option? Yeah, right where you put him, like, six or seven, maybe number eight, depending on if I looked at the full rankings. So he, he should be locked and loaded unless you have one of those top four or five guys. Yeah, definitely above the Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence, Mike White tier, and then probably right above a a Dak Prescott. I think those two guys, you could could talk me into either one of them. David Montgomery, uh, he's a volume play. This is a really tough front. Uh, They are 17th on the year against running backs, but a large majority of that production came when Jordan Davis was out of the lineup. That's their first-round pick from this year. He's a huge behemoth uh, in the def- in the defensive tackle spot, and he's a run stuffer. He's healthy right now, so that changes this Eagles defense a lot. I uh, I think he's still – you're probably playing Montgomery. Again, he's going to get 15 carries at the very least and then probably catch a few passes as well. Would you rather start David Montgomery or Jamal Williams? Yeah, I'm going to go Montgomery in this one just slightly. I think that both of these guys have a tough matchup, but uh, – I don't. I believe their backup is um, Travis Ebner. I don't expect him to take too much away from Montgomery. And uh, with Jamal Williams, you always have that fear of DeAndre Swift just kind of getting back to that fifty percent uh, snap share. So, gotta go, Mon- uh, David Montgomery. Monty or Najee Harris? Uh, I believe Najee doesn't have a very good match with this week either. Yeah, they're playing Carolina. Carolina, who's been pretty solid against running backs uh, on the season. So, go ahead and uh, give me. David Montgomery as well in that matchup. Okay. I think if you're starting him above those guys, most people are probably putting David Montgomery in their lineups. Um, And then Cole Komet is really the only other guy that is in starting consideration on the Bears side. I think he's solidly in there. Uh, Again, again, with with no Darnell Mooney, I like him quite a bit. I think he is going to be extremely necessary to this offense. Would you rather start Cole Komet or Evan Ingram? Cole Komet. For sure. I, I think that in this offense, the pass options are uh, Cole Komet one, and then you have a Mosh Posh at number two between uh, Clay, Chase Claypool and uh, Byron Pringle and St. Uh, Brown's brother. So uh, I don't want to butcher his first time. There you go. He nailed it. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and say it now, now that I've heard it. Um, so <laughs> I, I like Cole Komet. Again, this should be a game script where they are at least down a little bit for at some point. So they're going to have to be throwing in. And Cole Komet's been good ever since they've opened up this offense a little bit for Justin Fields. So we recommend uh, holding him through the bye week if you're streaming the tight end position for his playoff schedule. So don't want to don't want to go back on my word there. I, I would play Cole Komet this week for sure. 
Equinemius and Amon Ra's got to be in the the Brothers Hall of Fame for for names. Uh, sure especially if they, they both made it to the NFL. I if if they do, then his name better be you know in that tier as well. That's, <laughs> that's just that's a lot to live up to with those two brothers. But uh, yeah, I think Cole Komet's a solid low end starter. If he's above Evan Ingram, which I would agree with, I think that puts him solidly above the streaming tier and into the you know low end tight end starter tier. So yes, their brother's name is confident. Osiris Brown. Osiris St. Brown. Excellent. So they're all three. Game all three through. up there. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That is that's fantastic. Uh, you can go ahead and take over with uh, Atlanta at New Orleans, Cody. All right, let's go ahead and run through uh, these last games. We know this one's going to be a little bit longer, uh, but we have a full slate of games for the first time in uh, a few weeks. So bear with us here. We'll get through these last seven games quickly. Uh, First one, Atlanta at New Orleans. New Orleans favored by four points over under 44. Um, I don't mind that New Orleans line in this matchup. We got Desmond Desmond Ritter making his first NFL start. Um, Give me that under, too. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say if you're in a super flex league, he's someone to keep an eye on. But we got to remember he couldn't beat Marcus Mariota out for basically the full season. So don't think he's going to do anything special for fantasy this season. But you never know. He is a runner. So keep an eye on him, see what his stat line looks like at the end of the day. Uh, and really, I mean, I, really the Falcons options, I'm really not looking to play any of them. Uh, Patterson, nope. RB3 to flex option, but he's only been at a little bit above 50% of snaps for the Falcons. If you're a playoff-level team, like we've been saying, I'd imagine you have a better option than Cordero Patterson. And then Drake London, he's a must-sit. Very risky already, but now you're throwing a new quarterback out there as well. So there's no way you can play Drake London. And if you have been holding him as opposed to picking up an extra defense or quarterback – and you have you play defenses, obviously. Drake London's a guy for me that you can go ahead and boot to the free agency market. Let someone else uh, clog their roster with them. Yeah, I'm really not looking to start any Falcons at all. Cordero Patterson, a very low-end RB3 type option. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm really not excited to start him at all. I'm, I'm shocked that Vegas is giving... The Falcons, nineteen and a half implied points. That's that seems insane to me. If you can, if you have a, an advanced, you know, a, a, a detailed sports book like Barstool or uh, what's the one you've been using, DraftKings. If you have either one of those and you can go bet the Falcons team total on the under, please do that. Uh, I like the under in this game as a whole too, but you should just. Uh, there's, I don't see any way they get to twenty points in this one. Yeah, absolutely. It's already a, a divisional matchup, so we, we love hitting the unders on those whenever it's two kind of iffy teams like this. So this one yeah, uh, this one will most likely hit our best bets board, whether it's you or me. This is just 43 and a half is a little bit ridiculous. And uh, we'll just go ahead and jump in the other it's side. Moving down. This, other, this other team isn't very good as well uh, on the offensive side. Have some pieces, but start right here, Andy Dalton. He's a low-end option in, in super flex leagues. I'm hoping you have someone that you can trust more than Andy Dalton, but – he is uh, an option if you're in a super flex or two QB league. But let's get into the actual interesting players here. For one, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I have him ranked as an RB1 this week. Um, I just want to say you hate to see an injury, but if, you have, if you're counting on Kamara for a playoff run, the Mark Ingram injury was, I mean, as sad as it is to say, some of the best news you probably could have got because Kamara and him oh, were yeah. close to splitting the last time they were both out on the field. So, if you are needing potential, you know, big Kamara games for your playoffs, you at least have that potential back with Mark Ingram being out. Looks like David Johnson is going to be their backup now. Yeah, Kamara is going to be fed. He's lineup lock DFS option as well. Absolutely, Chris Olave. I have him as a lower end wide receiver too. Kind of, uh, I don't want to say he has fallen off because he has had a solid floor, but he has come back down to earth a little bit. 
Um, his floor has been right around 10 full point PPR points. So um, I would say he is as safe as they come for wide receiver twos, but I would, I would say that his ceiling is limited a little bit just due to his quarterback play, but most likely locked and loaded into your lineup unless you just have elite level wide receivers um, across the board. And then the other option on the team, Taysom Hill, uh, I think we kind of mentioned, talked about him a little bit with Jeff Driscoll. I mean, it's very, very, very risky. Um, he only has three games over 10 full PPR points this season. He's the tight end 10 on the season, but that's basically on the back of one amazing performance 10 weeks ago. As we discussed with Evan Ingram, one big game as a tight end basically puts you into the top 10 automatically for the season. So I think Taysom Hill, for all intents and purposes, uh, is a very low in streaming option. I'd imagine you have someone a little bit more uh, safer that you can play. Yeah, I'm not very interested in Taysom Hill at all, especially in the playoffs. Just uh, the, 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 the chance of a zero is far too high. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you, a lot of it, you go with him at wide receiver too. You have any differing opinion on that? I might even like him a little more than that. Uh, I just think sure. his, you know, his potential as a player is too much to overlook here. And this matchup has been fantastic for wide receivers all year long. Absolutely. All right. Just got my under bet locked in as well before that line moves at all. So <laughs> yeah, got that one in. All right. P- uh, Pittsburgh at Carolina, Carolina favored by three over under a good old 37 and a half, uh, Starting the Pittsburgh side, quarterbacks, either Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, I don't think either are an option, even in super flex leagues. I'd imagine, again, you have better options if you are a playoff-level team. Let's get into the skill positions here. Running back Najee Harris. For me, I have him as a lower-end RB2. It's hard to go away from the decent volume, but, I mean, he's really only had one boom game in 14 weeks. So I would say if you're one of those guys that – if you're in, like, a full-point PPR league and you're, you know, you're – the guy that you are going against is favored by 10, 15, 20 points over you. I mean, you're just not, more than likely not going to get that boom game from Najee. So he may be someone that you have to look to sit just based on your matchup. But if it's a pretty even matchup, I'd have him as a lower end RB2. Yeah, hard to sit for sure. I think he's in that David Montgomery tier of guys that just have too much volume to, to put on your bench most likely. Uh, if you're in a smaller 10-team league, you can consider benching him in this tough matchup. But Again, any sort of deep 12-team league, you probably just got to roll them out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, wide receivers, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Um, I did make this note before I saw the Deontay Johnson news, but if it was Mitch, I would rather have played Deontay. Um, if it was Pickens, I'd rather pick it. I'd rather play Pickens. Now with the news of Deontay, I mean, I guess the <laughs> only guy you'd consider is George Pickens, but, I mean, I, I'm – as I listed here, I'm avoiding these guys. I'd play Zay Jones, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, and Chris Moore um, with the contingency of Cook and Collins being out over Deontay Johnson or George Pickens. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. I think the one caveat I'd say is if it's Pickett and there's no Deontay, uh, I have some interest in George Pickens as just a, again, if you're, this probably only applies to those of you who are very, you know, low on the matchup grade, think you're going to lose because he could, you know, hit a bomb touchdown or two and win you a week. But other than that, I think I'm just completely avoiding them. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. A little matchup dependency there. And then Pat Fryermuth, as you mentioned in the news and notes, definitely someone that you need to keep your eye on if you are uh, relying on him for your fantasy matchup. Uh, I would love I'm to see some here. good news come out. But uh, as Nick pointed out in our week 14 breakdown, he was on the field for 55% of snaps last week probably the lowest of his of the season for him 
Um, so the fact that he has still been limited, was he limited or out actually uh, today? He was out. He was out. So um, I would hit the, you know, hit the waiver wire. If you don't have a backup tight end, see if there's anyone Absolutely. of that lower of that higher, you know, streamer level that you can add, but that's about the most you can do at this point. Hopefully you have a backup ready to roll in case he's out, but keep an eye on him. If you don't get any positive news, um, I guess where would we draw the line if we had to, like, let's just say it started tomorrow and the information we have right now. I mean, would you play, let's just start at the pretty low line, Evan Ingram or Pat Fryermuth? I think that's the line right there. I would stop at where we, you know, determine the streamers start. I think I would play, you know, I play Pat Fryermuth over Evan Ingram if he's healthy and he's out there, but pretty much every other starting level option we, we mentioned, Cole Komet. Greg Dulcich, uh, then all the guys above him, David and Joku. Uh, I would yep. start over Pat Fryer. Yeah, absolutely. So double check, make sure uh, no one is out there. I, I do want to give throw one more name out there. They may be out there just because he was just on by Cole Komet or Pat Fryer. Uh, Cole Komet. Okay, sounds good. Let's go ahead and jump over to the Carolina side here. Uh, we'll start with Sam Darnold, very low end option in two QBs or super flex leagues. Uh, running back room, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Uh, after last week, can't say that I like either of these guys very much. Chuba um, was able to get a little bit of the snaps, a little bit of the carries, and actually had better efficiency than Deontay Foreman did and got in the end zone. So I'd say at best, uh, either of these guys are boom-bust level flex options. I would say if I had to play one or the other, it would be Deontay slightly but I would not be excited to uh, have to trust either of these guys in my playoff matchup this week. Yeah, I'd probably start both of them over Cordero Patterson, but that's okay. not saying much. So yep. um, I, I think they're very low-end options, RB3, low-end RB3s at that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then DJ Moore, back, back to this guy again. Um, I'd say he's at the same level as the Pittsburgh guys, in my opinion. Uh, even if yeah, he suits up, I, I'm looking to completely avoid him. Drop uh, him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Drop him. Go get yourself, like I said, that that uh, go get the Jaguars defense and, and hope that you make that fantasy championship round. Let uh, someone else, you know, use him as a grenade in their lineup. Uh, that's just that's how I would look at it. Absolutely, or even just a roster clog. And if someone's picking them up, you never know who's dropping. They may drop someone off their roster. You'd rather have more. So, exactly. All right, New England at Las Vegas. Las Vegas favored by a point at home. Over under forty four and a half. Let's go ahead and start on the New England side. Uh, Mac Jones. I do think he's a super flex or two QB option. He does have a pretty uh, easy matchup against the Raiders defense. Only issue for Mac Jones is he may not have anyone to throw to in this game. So um, I think that he is kind of a lower end still option just because of the limited options at wide receiver. But the matchup is juicy if you are stuck in a situation where you're playing him. Um, let's go ahead and get to the running back room. I, I think that the conversation's a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, if Ramondre's playing, you'd play him, but did not practice on Thursday. I'd say he's about as good as gone for this week. So um, if Damian Harris is still out there, I think he would be the next up if Stevenson misses. He was the starter before Stevenson kind of took over, so it would just make yep. sense they kind of went back to him. And then Pierre Strong would be my third option, but I would have to know Ramondre's out and Damian Harris is out before you know I would go out there and pick up Pierre Strong. So I don't I don't think he's worth you know dropping a, a good fantasy player to try and hold out and hope you get the the starting running back for the Patriots. 
Yeah, I'm not even confident he would lead the team in touches yeah, uh, sure. with the way the Patriots pull running back shenanigans. So I'd, I'd be very hard-pressed to recommend starting Pierre Strong, even if Ramondre and Damian miss. Gotcha. So, yeah, they were pretty pretty set there. Damian Harris, and then after that, it's basically just a crapshoot on, on who's going to get the carry. So probably best to avoid that if you can. Uh, but tough because Ramondre did probably get a few people to the fantasy playoffs, so that may be some – some concerns that that player fantasy managers have this week. Sure. Uh, the wide receiver room here, I neither guy practiced Jacoby Myers or Devontae Parker on Thursday, and I, I wouldn't be counting on either of these guys at this point. It is a good matchup, but I don't think I'm taking a risk on any of the other New England wide receivers this week either. No Nelson Aguilar revenge narrative in this one. Uh, you're not you're not picking up those vibes. I think he has a few revenge narratives. Uh, I think Philadelphia <laughs> would also true. be on that list. I feel like there's probably another team or two out there. So um, I think there is. Yeah, I mean they do have a very bad defense, and he may be the wide receiver one. So maybe a DFS play if you want to uh, get that revenge narrative on one of your fantasy lineups. But I would not trust him in a. Uh, in a playoff matchup. Yeah, no, he did play his best ball uh, in Las Vegas that one year. He was there, got himself that nice contract. That is with the Patriots, true. But uh, not going to chase that whatsoever. Hopefully he catches a long touchdown just because, you know, screw the Raiders. Absolutely. And then uh, the Raiders also like to give it up to the tight end position. So I do think Hunter Henry can be streamed in a softer matchup, probably right around that same line. I mean, I'll just throw it out there. You playing him or Evan Ingram? I would put him below Ingram for sure. Okay. Uh, I think I would be I'd be more in the you know, Tyler Conklin range with him. I'd put him above Conklin, so he's like, you know, above Conklin, below Ingram, above Taysom Hill, below Dawson Knox. So pretty okay. low end. But if you're in a deeper league and you you know have a Pat Fryermuth tight end injury, he's not a bad guy to put on your bench and you know pivot to him if Fryermuth can't go. Yep, I maybe like Connor Henry just slightly more than you do this week. I just like the matchup plus the wide receivers being out. So again, like we said earlier, someone has to catch the football. So I uh, just think he may see a little bit more volume than he has throughout the season. So maybe a little bit safer, but I, I'm pretty close to that line with Nick. I think I'd probably play him a little, probably over Evan Ingram and then maybe over Dawson Knox as well uh, if those two wide receivers miss. But uh, again, if you're one of the top six guys in your league, I'd imagine you probably have found someone at the tight end position that you are happy with. Uh, but Friar Muth is a good example of someone you may need to pick up a tight end for. Right. Uh, on the Las Vegas side, Derek Carr um, can't stream him after last week. Um, and this isn't the best matchup going up against the Patriots. So I'm thinking of avoiding Derek Carr anywhere that I can. Uh, but just for fun, in a 2QB league, would you rather play Derek Carr or Mac Jones? Give me Mac Jones. We've been attacking this Raiders matchup all year long. Jones has actually looked a little better lately, and uh, yeah, I just I I'm not starting Derek Carr ever again after what he did to me last week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> the running back room, Josh Jacobs, he's a must start. He's been limited in practice, but should be good to go. So um, I, I don't think there's any way you're taking the RB one out of your lineup. So you're good. He's good to go there. And basically, same thing with Devontae Adams. I mean, the matchup is scary against New England, but again, you're probably not taking the wide receiver two on the season out of your Got to play him. So, Got to yeah. play those guys. And then last guy here, Darren Waller, uh, looks like he will play based on uh, Nick's injury update there. So that is good news. 
Just kind of want to figure out that line. Um, I think based on what you've told me, he's probably higher than these three guys I have listed, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, and Taysom Hill, right? Oh, yeah. This is just – it's a tough situation here because Waller's is a soft tissue injury that's been re-aggravated multiple times. I think I'd put him below Evan Ingram and then, you know, above the rest of the guys who talked about the Hunter Henrys, the uh, Dawson Knox, Taysom Hill, okay. that, Ty, Ty Conklin, that, that range. I'd put him above those guys, but – Probably just below Evan Ingram. Okay. Yeah, that's. I would say that – I mean, I picked him up as more of just a block. I think that's what a lot of probably fantasy players did this week with Darren Waller. I don't think – if you had to just stream a tight end this out, week, I don't know if Darren Waller was your guy. So probably not a lot of people uh, facing that. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid option, and he obviously – he could shoot up the rankings next week if he has a good game and looks okay. So he's obvi- he's got the talent to, to be one of the top tight ends in the league. So – Definitely worth uh, a roster spot at this point if you are, especially if you're on a bye. For sure. All right, Tennessee at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers favored by two and a half, over under 46 and a half. Uh, I don't think Vegas overreacted too much on this game. Kind of surprised that line's only no, at two and a half. Pretty low. Yeah, I mean. Pretty low over under, too. I thought that might be higher. Yeah, don't want to get too much on the Charger side, but Justin Herbert may just throw for 500 yards this game on this Tennessee defense. So I, I think I like the Chargers minus two and a half for sure, but they don't like to cover as favorites, so may need to look a little bit more into oh, the analytics there. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's start on the Tennessee side for fantasy. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, low end QB2 or super flex option, but shout out Justin and I. We get the excitement of playing Ryan Tannehill this week, so – Hopefully he can uh, just throw for a couple touchdowns, hit around right around 200 yards, and get that safe floor that we know he's possible of. Um, Derek Carr must start. Great matchup here. Um, and if you have Derek him in Carr? the Derek Henry, well, if you want to play Derek Carr, go right <laughs> ahead. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Derek Henry is in a great matchup to start the playoffs here. Uh, the Chargers are the 28th ranked defense against running backs. Uh, I'd say their defense is turning around a little bit as of recently, but gotta love Derek Henry here. Um, and I'll just go ahead and touch on these other two skill position players and then throw it to you, Nick. Uh, Traylon Burks looks like he probably won't play. Um, wasn't spotted at practice Thursday. So after after Traylon Burks, I'm probably avoiding any other of the other defensive options. And then uh, Chigakonkwu, I think that we have probably a pretty good lineup where we see the streamers at. Um, someone in this offense is going to have to catch the football, like we've been saying, but – I don't think that he's probably hitting a lot of playoff uh, lineups this week. Really, the only question I, w- I want to throw to you is for Traylon Burks, do you think that he is a must-hold still at this point, or would you consider dropping Burks for an extra defense or quarterback to find yourself a uh, Week 16 or 17 matchup? Yeah, if you're in redraft, I'd go ahead and drop him. There's no guarantee he returns, and you're probably going to want a week to see him in action before you put him in your lineup. So you're basically hoping he gets back next week so that you can play him in your fantasy championship, and they play the Cowboys in Week 17. So uh, that's not a great combination there. I'd say go ahead and drop Burks in redraft formats. Yeah, I I think that's a good good word for the people because I know I'm sure some people are probably holding out some hope that he can get back, but – uh, at this point, load up, make sure that you get those uh, those extra defenses, as we've been pointing out a lot this week. Um, and then just for just for the listeners here with, with Chig Conquo, are we putting them kind of in that Hunter Henry, Tyler Conklin tier, maybe slightly above those guys, slightly under them? Listen, I, I've been on Chig Conquo since, uh, you know, he kind of emerged yep. a few weeks ago. We recommended him. He scored a touchdown against the Jaguars last week. 
I if again, I think this is it comes down to Burks. If there's no Burks, which it looks like there's not going to be, I am much more confident uh, putting him in. Seems like he is, you know, somewhat the I guess the go-to pass catcher right now in Tennessee in a game again where we expect the Chargers to score plenty of points. So I put him below Evan Ingram, below Darren Waller if he plays, and then above the rest of those streaming level guys. Cool. Sounds good there. Like that line. All right, let's jump on the Chargers side. I think this is extremely easy. Justin Herbert, he's he's in. Austin Eckler, you don't love the matchup against Tennessee, but he is in. Um, And you you just take, you know, luckily he likes to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield, which is the way running backs can take advantage against this Tennessee defense. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, both must starts. And I do think Palmer can be a wide receiver three or a deep league flex option this week with the uh, extra juicy matchup. And that leads right into Gerald Everett, who we've kind of established the line for. I love the matchup for him. And, again, with all of the options back, some might think that takes away from, you know, a tight end. But I do think that kind of softens the defense up on the tight end position a little bit, probably gets him a few more open opportunities than he was in the past few weeks. Uh, Asking for a dear, dear friend that I know listens to this podcast uh, every time, would you rather start Gerald Everett or Dallas Goddard? Um. I think I gotta go Goddard. I mean, as long as he, yeah. I mean, it's, everything that I've that's seen I'm about to. him I mean, my is yeah, that's what that's what your friends leaning. That's good. <laughs> um, I do. Th- I do think I understand the hesitation with it a little bit because of the matchup for Gerald Everett. But if Dallas Goddard's you know healthy coming back from IR, the there the Eagles have zero reason to rush him back. So I'd imagine he's as close to one hundred percent healthy as he's been. This season, so I got to go back out there with Goddard. I mean, he was one of the best tight ends in fantasy football before that injury. Yeah, just lock Justin Herbert into all your DFS lineups, guys. He plays against me in two of my four uh, playoff matchups this week, so we know he's going off. Luckily, uh, the only other guy I play against is uh, this scrub named Jalen Hurts. Don't know who he is, but (laughs) hopefully he's not good. Yeah, just... You know, favorite favorite to win <laughs> the MVP rough, now. Yeah, that's that's rough. Damn, playoffs um, are rough, man. Surprised the guy who got Jalen Hurts didn't get the bye week too. That's kind of kind of sucks for that guy. Um, yeah, but I do think like we like we said the the Chargers are pretty easy. Most of their guys are a go. Um, and then Palmer, like I said, if you're in a deep league, fire him up as well. That matchup's juicy. Um, but on this, let's go ahead and keep it rolling. Cincinnati at Tampa Bay. Cincinnati favored by three and a half. Over under forty four. Starting on the Cincinnati side, Joe Burrow, he's been good, even with some wide receivers going in and out of games with injuries over the past, you know, month or two with, you know, if you include the Jamar Chase injury. So he's locked and loaded in your lineup for sure. Running back room here, uh, Mixon back into RB1 this week. I think he's locked and loaded in everyone's lineup. Uh, one guy I just want to throw out there, Samaje Ryan. He's been pretty decent over the past few weeks with the Mixon injury. And even last week he had some relevance. I think if Higgins and Boyd were to end up missing this game, P. Ryan would find some fantasy relevance. They would just have to probably pass the ball out of the backfield a little bit more with those guys missing. So keep an eye out. Maybe deep league flex option there for P. Ryan, but nothing more than that. And then uh, wide receiver room, Jamar Chase, auto start. T. Higgins would be an auto start, but I want to see some positive news about his injury. Um, and I have a couple of names here I'll give you, but – with Tyler Boyd, he's basically the same as T. Higgins, but if Higgins plays, I'd say Boyd is, you know, he kind of moves back into that boom-bust flex role that he he is known for. But on the T. Higgins side, a couple names I want to throw throw at you here. T. Higgins or Gabe Davis? 
Yeah, I'm going to be pretty anti-T Higgins throughout this uh, segment here. I just I, I don't like the soft tissue injuries. He's one week off of aggravating it. I could easily see him you know, leaving the game early if it tightens up. So I'm going to go Gabe Davis for sure. You can ask the rest, but I'm probably going to lean the, that way as well for the rest of these options. Yeah, so Christian Watson, Christian Watson and Amari Cooper, both of those guys over T. Yeah, I think you could go quite a bit lower than that. I would still go T. Higgins. I think it just comes down to if he's going into the game questionable, I, I if he's you know ruled active two hours before the game, I, I am just trying to avoid him. I don't don't love that situation for him. Okay, so does that give you maybe a little bit more positivity towards Tyler Boyd? I mean, he's also questionable, and he has a fractured finger. Like we mentioned about uh, Tyler Lockett, got to have fingers to catch the football, so not sure how that's going to work True. out too well for him. Yeah, that one – that one I would have a little more confidence in. Seems like that's just a, you know, if he is able to play, seems like he would just be medically cleared and good to go. I don't think, you know, maybe he re-aggravates it or breaks it further or something, but I just don't know how that injury, I feel like that's a, you know, black and white situation where Fair he's enough. good to go, then yeah. he'll be fine. T. Higgins is, you know, they're not going to know until he gets out there and runs a go route and his hamstring tightens up, then he's done. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I, I agree with you there. I'm, uh, T. Higgins, I, I'm a little bit soured on T. Higgins. He cost me a playoff spot in a league where I really only needed him to put up about 12 to 15 full PPR points. So nothing too ridiculous for him. And, and that goose last week basically killed me. So, uh, I yeah, if he if he's questionable going into the game, I would definitely look to pivot as well. Um but let's go ahead and jump over to the Tampa Bay side. Tom Brady, the quarterback here, hard to rank for me. I'd say he's an avoid in most situations, but just want to see how low we're willing to go. I think we already established we would play Mike White uh, versus Detroit over Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Cool. Yep. And then would you play Tom Brady, Daniel Jones, or Aaron Rodgers? I think I'm going to go Tom Brady above those other two. Gotcha. Uh, this this game script is just a slightly more encouraging than those uh, those other those other guys' game scripts. Cool, sounds good. I think that's pretty easy. Then let's go ahead and jump into the running backs here: Rashad White, and Leonard Fournette. I think both are pretty risky flex level plays for me. Uh, the Bengals are pretty solid against the run. And we just don't know how the backfield snaps are going to go. My guess is they're pretty close to 50-50, and you're counting on a TD from either one or looking for, you know, five to six catches from either one to, to find the relevance for fantasy in those half and full point PPR leagues. So if you can avoid them, I, I would definitely try to, but I imagine that, you know, these guys are going to be right on the border of a lot of lineups. So uh, do you have anything more positive to say about Rashad White or Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I mean, it, I think he laid it out pretty well there. I think they're both pretty risky. I'm leaning Rashad White after what we saw last week. He got, uh, you know, 13 carries to Leonard Fournette's four. So it really seems like they're trying to get him to be the guy here, uh, at least on the running side of things. Fournette got some more targets. I feel like Tom Brady trusts him in pass pro a little bit more than Rashad White, but he's still got some targets as well. Uh, I think they're, you know, like you said, decently safe floor, but not a ton of upside. And. You know, they're, they're, they're flex plays for sure. Absolutely. And the wide receiver room, man, this vaunted Tampa Bay wide receiver room that I was so excited for all season long. Uh, to, uh, Chris Godwin, I think any kind of PPR or half-point PPR league, you're playing him for sure. His his floor has still been somewhat safe. Um, he has been the, the go-to guy for Tom Brady as he's been releasing it pretty quick. So I like Godwin still. Evans is the guy to discuss for sure. I'd say he's probably a boom-bust wide receiver too, very similar to Gabe Davis in my opinion. 
Uh, I just really can't give him much more confidence than that. I mean, you're he's not seeing very much volume, so you're really hoping that he breaks a big one for a touchdown with Mike Evans, or you hope to see the volume swing back his way. But just with the way that offensive line breaks down in the matter of three seconds, I don't think that his downfield routes have the time to develop, to develop that uh, Tom Brady needs. Yeah, I think I might be even more boom bust wide receiver three. Honestly, uh, don't blame. It's just been rough going recently, and yeah, like you said, the the, the routes Mike Evans runs just do not lend itself to the way this Buccaneers offense is operating at this point. Yeah, I, I actually probably like the wide receiver three tag a little bit more. When I was typing out the notes, that's kind of where I started to put them, but I was like, I don't know if I could confidently say that on the podcast just because it's Mike Evans. Yeah, I but, think you just got to go with the evidence we have on him recently, at least. Yep, absolutely. Um, and in the tight end position, Kate Odd and Cameron Braid, no thank you. Um, as long again, like we've been saying, as long as they're both out there, neither should be in your fantasy lineup. Giants at the Washington Commanders. The Commanders favored by four and a half, over under 40. Uh, We just saw this game a couple weeks ago, and Vegas obviously learned their lesson because the uh, over under got moved down half a point. (laughs) (laughs) This was the exact finish of the game. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So let's start here on the Giants side. I feel like we've kind of established our Daniel Jones line. We got Tom Brady over him. But I will just ask would you rather play Daniel Jones or Aaron Rodgers against the Rams? Or, yeah, I guess so. Oh, man. I really hope you don't have to make this decision. Maybe in a 2QB league you do. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Aaron Rodgers, just okay. for the safety net. Yep. Nope. I, I don't blame you. Very low-end options there. Probably more 2QB. Hopefully only making that decision in a 2QB league. Um, right. Running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, they, he did have some positive practice reports come out, so that is uh, it's good. Probably going to help those Barkley owners sleep a little bit more this week. And it should be a pretty neutral game script. Barkley put up 18 fantasy points in their last matchup. Um, it seems like that neck limited him a little, limited him a little bit this past weekend. Are you worried at all about Barkley going into this week, or just got to trust the player, trust the talent, lineup lock? I am very worried about Barkley this week. Honestly, uh, hopefully that neck isn't an issue. But hard for me to say that a neck issue is going to go away after only five days. It just seems like. You know, an injury that's going to take a little longer to fully heal. Uh, but I, I don't know what you can do about it. I think you got to start him if he's active and just hope. Definitely very nervous, though. I think the, the odds of a bust are there uh, against a tough Washington front on the road. But, yeah, like, we, like we've talked about with a few of these guys that are like, you know, these back-end to mid-RB2s, you, you're probably just playing them. I think I'd play, place him above the David Montgomery's and Najee Harris's of the world just because of his talent. But definitely nervous. Yep, absolutely. As someone who has Barkley in our league, I have uh, enjoyed a lot of him throughout the season, but this uh, this injury right before the fantasy playoffs is definitely worrisome just as a whole. Bad timing, yeah. Yep. Um, all right, wide receiver room. We'll go ahead and mention our guy, Darius Slayton. Uh, I think he's the only guy I would play out of this room, but boom bust, wide receiver three slash flex option, pretty low-level option there. Yeah, he is. Would you rather start him or Josh Palmer? I think I'm going to go Darius Slayton. Just he should see some more guaranteed volume, but maybe a little bit more matchup dependent. I mean, if I need a bunch of points, I may go Palmer just because he has the better quarterback and the better matchup, but Slayton should be the safer option and probably the one that most players should play. Slayton or DPJ? I'm going DPJ in that one. Fair enough. I think that's a pretty decent line there for Slayton. Yep, absolutely. Um, actually, I'm going to expand on it just a little bit more. Would you go Slayton or Adam Thielen? 
Oof. I'm gonna go Darius Slayton. Okay. Uh, I think he. I think his upside is. You know, you just you gotta win your playoff matchups. We're not. We're not playing for. Uh, playing for keeps anymore. So you gotta. Gotta. Gotta win those matchups. Slayton has higher upside than Thielen for me. Absolutely, I, I agree with you there. On the Washington side, Taylor Heineke, low end option in two QB leagues. Not much to say about him. Uh, the running yeah. back room though is pretty interesting this week. Uh, the, the Giants are actually the 26th ranked defense when it comes to running backs. I don't know why at some point in the season I thought the Giants were extremely good against running backs, but it seems like they have been giving it up as of late. They've cooled off. For sure. Yeah. Um, so it's a solid matchup for these guys um, and should create a little bit of confidence for you for either of them. I, I like Robinson more. It seems like he is the lead guy in this backfield at least the last time that they played. So I'd go Robinson, but I'd say he's kind of a back-end RB2 uh, high end RB three option, then Gibson would be a boom bust flex in PPR formats for me. Yeah, I'm throwing Brian Robinson in that mix with those David Montgomery, uh, yep. Najee Harris types. He's right in that boat, uh, so he's a low end starter, and you can roll him out there. Hopefully, he gets in the end zone, but he should see plenty of work against a uh, you know a struggling run defense. So I'm fine with him. Antonio Gibson, I'm probably trying to avoid though. I you know his his volume's not nearly as guaranteed. And I wouldn't expect the the commanders to have to throw the ball too much, which is Antonio Gibson's strength in this offense. Yeah, you hate to do it in case of an injury, but I think Antonio Gibson is finding himself in that that tier of player that if you need to go pick up an extra defense or something, you may be able to drop him. I just don't know if he's going to. Yeah, have especially if too much. If Brian Robinson's cleared from the injury report. You can certainly drop him if you uh, like you said, if you need a, a defensive matchup for next week. For sure. And then the wide receiver room here: uh, Terry McLaurin, higher end wide receiver two with Heineke at quarterback. He's been really good. I think he only had one bust game. At may have been that Giants game. So maybe something a little uh, bit concerning good, there. Good week against the Giants. He had a good week. Okay, maybe. So it must have been mm-hmm. the week right before. So. He's had a couple of good weeks so. before the bye, so I'm rolling Terry McLaurin out there 100%. Samuel, he's a low-ceiling, low-floor option. I, I feel like you're avoiding Samuel anywhere that you really can. Yeah, I, I think McLaurin's the only guy I'm even considering from the passing game here. Oh, my gosh, that's Sunday Night Football. I just noticed that we get the, yes, it is. We get the joy of Giants and, and Commanders for at the over-under of 40. consciously moved to <laughs> Sunday Night Football, too. I think before that, it was, uh, let me see, it was one of these other crappy day games. Um, I don't know, you can go ahead and move on. I'm going to look through these real quick and yep. figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go ahead and hit the, uh, the start of this next one here. The Rams at Green Bay. Green Bay favored by seven. Another nice juicy over-under at 39 and a half. Sorry, here on the Rams side. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I think he is a very interesting option for the NFL to put in this primetime game, thinking that they got a little lucky that John Wolford's not rolling out there, but not an option for fantasy football. And I'm just going to go ahead and just lead that straight into the wide receivers here, actually. Both Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek, some waiver wire guys that got a lot of hype over this past week, but... Baker doesn't necessarily move the needle very much for me to put these guys in my lineup, so I'm, I'm avoiding both those guys as well. And then Tyler Higby for me as well has really kind of fallen off the map as a streaming tight end, I'd say. Uh, yep. Just with Baker out there, we just don't know what to expect. And even even though he did show something last last time, I mean, it was basically just calling up calling the play at the line of scrimmage and waiting till someone can kind of run open and then letting it go. He wasn't really a lot of – timing routes or anything like that. So we'll see if they're able to duplicate that magic they pulled on the Raiders. 
may also just be that they are the Raiders and just let things like this happen to them all the time. So seems um, likely. The only other player here that's interesting to talk about is Cam Akers. Um, if again, another guy here. If you are in a playoff matchup, I hope you have a better option than Cam Akers. But at least Green Bay hasn't been too good against opposing running backs. I'd say he's a risky flex uh, with the recent efficiency he's had. You're hoping he gets in the end zone one to two times. So very, very risky boom-bust flex in my eyes. Yeah, I'd probably play Cordero Patterson over him. I'd play A.J. Dillon on the other side over him. I'd play Leonard Fournette, Rashad White over him. So I think I very much trying to avoid Cam Akers. Yeah, the Cordero Patterson line that you drew is uh, and A.J. Dillon is very telling of where where you're at with Cam Akers for sure. Exactly, yeah. And then on the Green Bay side here to go ahead and wrap this thing up, uh, start with Aaron Rodgers. I feel like we've already had a solid line for Aaron Rodgers here. I'm assuming, would you play him at over golf against the Jets? That's, I guess, the only line that I'm curious about. Uh, I'll stick with golf there. Okay. Yeah, that, fair enough. And yeah, that's good enough for me. Probably neither of them should hit your fantasy lineup in a 1QB league, if Absolutely. we're being honest. Um, running back room here, I do want to point out that Aaron Jones, again, was limited uh, this week, but he does play a matchup that I like. Uh, the the pack, or I'm sorry, the Rams have been solid against running backs, but similar to the Titans, uh, running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield have been a little bit troubling for them. So Aaron Jones is a specialist at that. Would love to see a positive injury report come out Friday um, before I'd say he's locked and loaded. But as long as he, as long as he plays, it's going to be hard for me to keep him out of my fantasy lineup. Where are you at with Aaron Jones uh, going into Friday? Yeah, he's another one of those guys that is in a little bit of a tough situation with the injury bug and, uh, you know, just not knowing on the Monday night. But he's he's way too good to sit. Like you said, uh, the matchup is better for the pass-catching running backs uh, against the Rams. So I think he is, you know, going to be heavily featured in this offense, and he's trending towards playing right now. So I think uh, I think you got to roll him out there. Yep, and then uh, A.J. Dillon has been getting more involvement. Actually had two pretty solid weeks before the bye. Um, I don't think this matchup favors him as much. I'm just going to call him a boom-bust level flex because I don't know exactly where to put him. If he gets the work, he can break one for a long touchdown. If if his workload kind of reverts back to what it was, you know, a few weeks ago, then he may completely dudge you. So very, very risky business there with A.J. Dillon. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, very, very risky. I'm playing him above Cam Akers, but that's maybe the only fantasy-relevant uh, name that we have talked about so far that I would play him over. Fair enough. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and jump into these wide receivers, Christian Watson and Alan Lazard. Uh, as Nick has noted, you'd think Watson has some negative regression coming his way, and if you're relying him for the playoffs, you have to uh, um, hope that that doesn't happen. And specifically this week, you have to hope that he sees a little bit more volume. I think he has not capped more than six targets in a game this season. So if he's one of those guys that you're relying on week in and week out for fantasy football, you just want to see a little bit more volume. Good news is he has been the red zone threat for them. So, and he does have deep ball threat as well. So little, little boom busty with uh, Christian Watson, but I'd say he's, you know, Probably a, a wide receiver, too, in my eyes. I'm, I'm assuming already that you're probably a little lower than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd throw him in the low-end wide receiver, two high-end wide receiver, three pool. But, I mean, you know, it's hard to turn your back on what he's done lately. Uh, you just kind of have to know what you have in this asset. He's very boom-bust. I'd play him above the Mike Evans types. 
I'd probably play him uh, just above a Gabe Davis. That's actually that's a tough one right there. But I think he's right in that group of guys where uh, you know he's he's gonna either score you three or four points or score you 15 to 20. Yep, for sure. Uh, I think Lazard is uh, probably just slightly under Christian Watson securely in that wide receiver three option. Uh, Somewhat of a limited ceiling, but has also had a pretty safe floor. Only two games under 10 points in a full PPR format this season. So uh, I think pretty, pretty solid for Alan Lazard when you look back on it. Very much the opposite of his teammate Christian Watson. Just, uh, you know, he's going to get you a solid amount of points, has a good baseline, but does not have the upside of his teammate. So really just depends on what you need. I'd probably rather play Christian Watson again. That's just sort of my philosophy when it comes to fantasy. But if you're heavily favored in a matchup, you just need a solid 10 points out of your flex, and Lazard can provide that for you. For sure. And then uh, just one more guy I want to mention, not necessarily for him, but what he could do to these other two guys. Romeo Dobbs should be back for this game. So, again, just interesting to see how he will get involved. Um, For me, I mean, the way that I see this kind of working out and the way that I've just kind of, again, I've kind of thought that Watson was going to break out once he got on the field a little bit more. So I am biased towards him. I'm not going to lie. But I'd say Christian Watson is their number one. Alan Lazard would be the number two, and then a pretty wide gap uh, for Romeo Dobbs. But he would, he did get the targets when he was out there before, so we will we will see. And we also did not see a lot of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs on the field together. So I think that's another wrinkle that is uh, going to be thrown into you know your fantasy playoffs, and just another one to kind of think about when you're setting your lineups. Yeah, I think you're just hoping it does not kill the other two guys. I don't think Dobbs himself is yep, exactly. anywhere near an option for fantasy players right now. Yep, and then uh, just to mention my boy Robert Tanya and the guy I was so high on in the offseason that just never came to really anything. Uh, very similar to Tyler Higby, tight end or bust big time. I'd imagine, again, at this point in the season, you have a tight end that you're rolling with um, much better than Robert Tanya. Yeah, please don't start Robert Tanya in your playoffs. Absolutely. All right. Well, 14 matchups wrapped up here for you guys just under a little under two hours. So uh, pretty long listen, but we appreciate you guys. (laughs) A lot of analysis there, man. This is when this this stuff really counts. I know it does all season, but these matchups hurt a little bit more whenever you lose and, and you're done for the season. So hope you're able to listen to the full thing. If you are, you know, share with a friend, like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff on social media. Um, I don't really have too much more. Hope you guys dominate your bets. Hope you guys dominate your fantasy matchups. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Go get it, and hopefully we will talk to you next week as well. That means you have advanced into the next round of your playoffs. For sure. Peace out, everybody. See ya.